0: I think there's also something about how it's paid for, so is it from savings elsewhere and reprioritisation, yeah. or is it going to lead to an increase in fees?
1: Does some of that resource get diverted to going after a fund manager because then their ESG disclosures are a bit iffy? Uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting prioritisation call, isn't it? The Regulatory Initiatives Grid, so that was another publication a bit later than uh, we expected it, so running a bit behind schedule. So for those that don't know, I think we're on our fourth iteration now. It's meant to be six months, isn't it? A, 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 a consolidation of all of the regulatory initiatives that all of the UK's FS regulatory bodies, Bank of England, FCAPRA, Pensions Regulator, are, um, are pursuing. The most impactful developments in the regular environment over the next year are going to be ESG-related, if that We uh, are probably looking at some interest rate rises in the very near future.
0: I think there'll be a lot of steep learning curves if we do get proper and sustained inflation.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Grant Thorn Risk and Regulation Unraveled podcast. My name is David Murray, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Gavin Stewart. Say hi, Gavin. Hi there. For our monthly review of the state of financial services regulation. Um, For those of you that have been uh, joining us for some time. You'll know we spend uh, a few minutes each month looking at the, uh, the the words and deeds of the regulator and some of the more interesting stories that it might affect regulated firms in the UK. Um, also, we try and be a bit forward looking. Um, and actually, um, forward looking is probably uh, the focus for today because uh, we're recording on November the 22nd and we now have, uh, courtesy of HM Treasury, the Future Regulatory Framework Consultation. Yes, um, which we've been waiting for quite quite a while, but um, it's finally landed. I think we've got till next February to to get our typewriters out and write our consultation feedback. Um, Gavin, what's your take headline headline headlines? We've, we've probably become a few things, but head, what's your
0: headline for the, uh, for the document? Much as expected, I think no massive change from the discussion paper. Uh, the original, I think that the CBA stuff is is probably the, Cost benefit analysis. the, the, most, the most significant okay. change.
1: Okay. Well, should we, we, we? Yeah, yeah. It, well, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Um, I mean, I, yes, I think it is as expected. We, um, I guess one of the things it says is that our, fundamentally the UK's model for financial services regulation, you know, as enshrined in FISMA, is, is a bit for purpose-ish, is, is now free from unwanted meddling distortions from Europe. Um, it's written by the Conservative Party, do you think? Um, <laughs> And, uh, and and that you know fundamentally the PRA the FCA the role they pay, play in the regulatory terra firma um, are not going to change.
0: Um, no, they're keeping that. I mean, FISMA is getting a bit of a um, a sort of glowing rewrite. I don't. It's remember. been an outstanding success, Gavin. As yeah, I don't remember twenty years ago um, it, it having quite the the kind of plaudits being thrown at it. Um, uh, before a lot of the EU directives started kicking in, but you know, hey ho, mm. uh, you know we shall see.
1: Yes, it, well, it's, it's, it's uh, if you read the, the document of the, the consultation, it's, it, it might feel like it's what like the holy grail of global regulatory standards, and uh, and, and will be preserved. So, so Twin Peaks is still with us, stating the obvious. The strategy, the objectives, and principles of the regulators. Are unchanged except
0: well, except um, so both will get a secondary objective on competitiveness, uh, and likewise, I think a new principle on climate change and a net zero economy to take to have regard to. Uh, yeah. in the way they make their rules.
1: Yeah, how's that going to work? Do you think? A, I always struggle a bit with secondary objectives or secondary principles, and, and, and quite how those
0: influence I, I overall rulemaking. So I think there's a couple of things, Um, certainly, you know, when I was there and involved in all this, there was quite a lot of checking of, you know, are we aligning ourselves with the principles of good regulation? How do we uh, translate our activities across the four objectives? Clearly, competitiveness will come into that. uh, But quite how it does, I think will be quite interesting. There's also, I think, you know, we all know there, there's a kind of extensive uh, lobby outside that competitiveness should be really, really important. Mm, yeah. Uh, Post financial crisis, that went away for a bit. It's clearly now back. Yeah. And I think how the regulators strike the balance on that will be really interesting. Yeah. Um, on the face of it, the FCA may have more trouble um, uh, than the PRA bank, which has more. Um, more kind of uh, gravitas to fall back on, if you like, in terms of you know central bank independence and what we really here for. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I I don't I think it's the beginning of the story, not the end.
1: Yeah, uh, that was my reaction too. It's um, it, you know, it, it could be a secondary objective, which is actually becomes more important than, than some of the other objectives, depending on political accountability, which Indeed. is which is another area. The, um,
0: the framework paper. Yes, that was a bit song. weird. I was ex- I was expecting more uh, on that, and it it feels like uh, they've just let the select committee pretty much carry on as it is.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, if, if uh, yeah, if the I mean, accountability works at different levels. I mean, but if certainly if you're talking about parliamentary accountability, then it's proposals around parliamentary accountability, and the, the Treasury Select Committee is the sort. Of Pointy end of that is, is, you know, it's things like notify them of any consultation that you're doing, uh, respond to our letters. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no sense that the TSC or any parliamentary body is going to be beefed up to take a more active, practical role in, in regulation. At least I'm
0: not seeing that. Yes, if yeah. we were on camera, I'd be shrugging my shoulders <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, I think that's right, and I think you know the TSC works, you know, works well, but I don't see that there's much enhanced accountability no. of the type we were promised uh, and, and I think in at the back of that is a little bit of um, it does look like the Treasury as mm. such has quite a lot more uh, influence both directly and also I think just through the accumulation of different levers it has which I think enables it to exert quite a lot of influence on the way the regulators, potentially, on the way the regulators yeah. behave. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think it's more Treasury than Parliament it as is. such, uh, the way I read it. I'd agree. I mean, you know, the, the TSC can be an entertaining
1: watch at times, uh, but the reality is they, they tend to get involved with things, you know, b- when it's already become a story, it's, it's in the headlines. Um, uh, and, and so more proactively in terms of involvement in, in forward-looking regulation and policy setting, yeah. Well, at least my perception is a lot less. Um, Treasury's probably got more levers. I mean, they, they, can, they can, for instance, commission an independent review of an area of the rule book, so which, is, which feels a bit like sort of taking some of the policy setting out to the regulator and, and taking it into the HM Treasury. I know one of the things you were writing about the other day as well was just, just the number of HMT alumni that are now sitting in quite senior roles in, yes. instance, in the regulators and that, you know, they're, <laughs> they're kind of blurring
0: uh, potentially the distinction between, between these bodies. And I think COVID did that as well, which we've talked about before. Mm. Um, the way in which the regulators were effectively used as a as a mechanism of government, nice, wh- yeah. which I think was you know justified at the time, but you have to kind of unpick it at some point. Uh, I think the the review of policy, the tre- the um, Treasury's ability mm. to require the regulators to do one, is quite interesting because the argument used is that. Uh, firms don't use judicial review very often, so and so it's it's almost like uh, instead of that we'll have this, but they then go on to say that we'll only use it once in a blue moon. Uh, you know, we'll use it extremely rarely. That's what we envisage, and so on. And the two don't really fit together very well.
1: Well, no, I, you know, the first part, the first part of that statement you know, suggests in some way that Treasury would be using it in a, in a way that would be interesting. You know, in the interests of regulated firms. Um, but, you know, I don't know why, why anyone would think that would actually be, be, be the case in practice. Yes. Uh, so, so account, that's more or less all we can say about accountability. I mean, I think they, they're moving a, a couple of the advisory panels to, um, onto a statutory footing, which, which may give them a bit more leverage to, for the fellows who don't know, there are, there are you know, advisory panels representing okay. certain stakeholder okay. groups. That are meant to be consulted on emerging regulation, regulatory issues, and, and theory. They may have more teeth. I'm
0: looking at Gavin, and he's not
1: necessarily <laughs> looking particularly positive on that. Point.
0: Uh, yes, the, I mean the panels are interesting. So they uh, a lot depends on what their budget is. Um, a lot mm. depends on their yeah. membership and how that membership approaches it, both whether they uh, develop collective positions. In which case, they're obviously more. Oh, you mean you know, more influential? Things like consumer panel, it's the small business panel, advisory panel, etc. So yes, yeah, so sometimes you get individuals on the panel who have pet um, obsessions. <laughs> yes. Uh, and sometimes you get more collective positions, uh, and then there's also how constructively the regulator responds to those, um, mm. and there are various tensions in it, and how you how you make the process work well. Um, is is a bit of a sort of you know uh you know a secret recipe uh and more often i think they've they've worked less well yeah uh i don't think Putting it on a statutory basis necessarily makes a huge difference, but we'll see over time. I think the CBA stuff is is more of a big deal.
1: So yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. So so as um, avid readers of uh, regulatory publications, who are I imagine making up our our rather jaundiced listeners group listening group, um, will know there's a uh, well, there should be a cost benefit analysis in terms of any any new regulatory proposal uh, tucked in the back. Um, uh, which have evolved over the years, and, and, and you know, I guess we can form, take, a, take personal views on whether we think they're, they're good or useful or not. Um, but the, uh, the the FRF, the Future Regulatory Framework Document, suggests that a, a framework document should be published to explain how they should be done, how they are going to be done, and, and, and a panel form to review and challenge. The and there's CV? a question
0: of whether that's pre or post publication, which ah. is obviously a call. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Why would you do it post-publication? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, ostensibly for it to be a, a quicker process. Okay. So a pre-publication review will take longer. That's true. That's and true. so the whole process will slow down That's as opposed true. to a sort of lessons learned. But if we take a live example like the consumer duty. We, yes, well, we had a first consultation but without any CBA in it at all. Yes. So we're waiting for the second consultation yep. before Christmas, which we're promised will have a CBA. Um, you could imagine a CBA independent panel taking quite a close interest in that, Very given all so. the feedback. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll wait and see. But but you know look, these things potentially do matter quite a lot in terms of you know what does the policymaking engine look like and how does it really how does it really work? Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: yes. So I'm with you in that it
0: has the potential
1: to be quite. Quite a significant change, or quite a significant change of emphasis at the least, in terms of how, how, how new policy proposals are reviewed and uh, and then fed into the fed into the sort of detailed rulemaking stage. It, it A lot depends on how it's used. I mean, and the personalities involved. Um, uh, but I, I think that, that absolutely is an area that will bear a lot of a lot of watching. Um, no dramatic proposals around regulatory framework, I didn't think. I mean, there's a concept of a designated activities regime, a sort of a allow a bit of a broadening
0: around. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, again, depending on how it's used, but I'm quite keen on the idea. I think the, the sense that there are activities that aren't, you know, core financial yeah. um, activities for regulated activities order, but nonetheless, they potentially have an impact on your objectives is a really important one. And if you go back to the crisis, there's quite a lot of um, activity takes place around the regulatory perimeter. There's quite a lot of arbitrage and so on. So being able to kind of have a, a wider net, I think there's a bit of const- I don't know, constructive uncertainty that you create. And as long as you control that, and it's not too broad. I think it's quite, it's quite healthy. Yeah, um, and it yeah. creates a debate about what should and shouldn't be regulated, and the, and that degree, um, you know, how how tight that regulation should be. That that I think we don't have enough of. But does it just?
1: I mean, does it? Or does it just rubber stamp the existence of a grey area that you know, recognizes there will be grey areas? It will be changing in shape probably over time, and this is just a way of um, making sure that there are powers on the books to to delve into those grey areas as and when they. Yeah, but it's I think that's certainty. I think that's good. It's, it's, yeah, no, just, yeah, yeah. But I guess if you're on the uh, the, 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 the the undertaking the, those activities, you, there's a new layer of uncertainty potentially in terms of when and whether it gets pulled into supervisory activity. We shall see. Now, the consultation I mentioned February to get to get our responses back, and then well, they're talking about early to mid twenty. 20- Twenty three to get the legislation on the books that would that would flow from this? Uh, yes,
0: I think. Which I think assumes nothing significant gets in the way. Uh, I'm I'm told that you know, there's there should be no significant kind of parliamentary hold ups. Uh, but I'm conscious that both the you know, two thousand and in twenty twelve both took quite a lot longer than originally envisaged. So I'm personally a little bit sceptical, but okay. we'll see. OK, that's enough on the FRF for now, I, I, I think, um,
1: although it will be an unfolding story for 2023, uh, when we're not talking about… And the bill in twenty two. Actually, sorry, bill next I year on. <laughs> I lost track of which year I'm in. When we're not talking about the World Cup, we'll be talking about the FRF. Um, other developments in the month, I suppose sort of se- one that's sort of segue from from the future regulatory framework is, you know, the FCA produces annual, what was now an annual perimeter, review, you yes. um, know, yeah, recognise some of the changes that have happened from previous firms reviews, like vital, uh, 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 BTLs being pulled into, by now, pay later, I should say, get my terminology right, uh, being pulled into the regulatory perimeter, etc. And um, a few proposals included within it, including things like extending the senior managers regime to, to sort of the, the e-money payment services
0: providers, which
1: seems logical, one would
0: that was, I mean, you could argue whether it's logical or not. I, I, that was a strange one for me, both because I guess it's another extension of the senior manager's regime, hmm. which was originally designed hmm. back in 2013 to fix, you know, <laughs> some of the problems of the financial crisis. And now we're saying it's a new money thing. Um, and those problems, by the way, were kind of, you know, at the time were seen as, as largely to do with major clearing Absolutely. banks. Absolutely, it was the
1: SMR regime for banks. So let's just <laughs> say it's
0: come a long way. Uh, and I think the other thing is, I, I suppose I struggle that it's one of the biggest priorities to do with the perimeter. It doesn't strike me as that big a deal, given you've got things like crypto, um, yeah. which look, look much more significant in terms of the, you know, FCA's objectives. Yes,
1: to that extent it was a relatively unambitious, I guess, I guess uh, a take on pretty much a review.
0: Because the FCA had been going on about how Binance was unsupervisable, so I was expecting to see much yeah. more about, you know, how do we do this? and they've also just uh, issued in September their consumer investment strategy and again a big part of that is what do we do with high risk investments yeah. but we don't have the powers through finproms and you know a yeah. lot of it's crypto now particularly younger generation and it felt like I mean it's sort of talked about in the paper but it's not it's not flagged as like this is the next big thing. No, I mean, this the. I mean, it's cropped up a few times. This idea that, that uh, you know the, the the way social
1: media was used to advertise and promote, uh, you know, and the extent to which their powers might 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 fall short of where they would like them to be to be able
0: to deal with that. So that was definitely talked about. But yeah, again, I'm not sure that it translates I, to. By the way, I see there's a crypto action. exchange, and I bought that advertising. <clears throat> and naming rights for the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for um, the Lakers, to, now, you know, for a crypto exchange <laughs> to be all over the Premier League. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, it's only a matter of time. that. That's, which would, that's, you know, put the the FCA's um, advertising budget a bit in the shade. That's true. That's true. That's something to look forward to. Um, okay.
1: So there was a perimeter review, not particularly life-changing. Um, potentially more so. Uh, we had the... Cop 26, uh, Nick Cawthar gave a speech. The FCA rolled out its ESG um, strategy. Indeed, which, which so I wrote this down because it's you know it has five themes: transparency, trust, tools, transition, and team. Um, and I think that's quite impressive actually. Come up with five. Uh, Five workstreams that all we'll start with the letter T. Congratulations to the regulator for, for coming out with that that, that highly useful. Uh, there is this thing
0: about the government currently having three word strategies, isn't there? So uh, oh, they've blown uh, the mission, mission already. The trend. Trend. Yeah. Well, this one's got
1: five, so they're completely blown the mission. Um, uh, what's your take on that? I mean, there's there's uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's quite a bit in there. You know, talked about international collaboration, and, and there is a. There's clearly I had not really. I'm kind of waking up to this, there's, there's clearly a, a an agglomeration of international regulators and other bodies developing, intent oh, on yes. working together to develop new standards. Um, so there's, there's the international dimension, there's, uh, there's a shot or two around the fund management industry and their need to do a better job around ESG and certainly justifying and evidencing that their ESG frameworks are delivering the, the things they claim. Uh, more, more more, disclosures, consumer disclosures, I'm not sure what that's going to look like, uh, and also a new F- division within the FCA, a whole new division called the ESG division. Um, How uh, do you had to think that last one's going to work out? I mean, what, it's not clear to me what it necessarily will do, or what its powers will be. Um, have you got a view on what, what, what its uh, sort of critical success? So, so by itself, it,
0: it, it only tells you so much clearly. So what you don't know are things like you know, what really is its resourcing kind um, it of make its own policy, is it taking uh, activities from other divisions um, where they currently sit or is it uh, focusing on new activities that the FCA doesn't yet do yeah. um, but will we'll start. Uh, I think there's also something about how it's paid for, so is it from savings elsewhere and reprioritization yeah. or is it going to Lead to an increase in fees. Both have pros and cons, uh, and I think there's, you know, there will be something about you create a new division in the middle of the existing organization. How does it join up with the rest of it? Mm. So when that's happened in the past, so the FCA, the FSA, when it was formed, created a consumer division, mm. which is meant to, right, we're going to do all this consumer stuff, but it really struggled to. Um, connect with let's say supervision as an example and persuade supervisors that actually they needed to talk about consumers more when they talk to firms and also actually train them in terms of how they should do that and what they should focus on. Uh, they also tried the same with financial crime a few years later and pulled all the financial mm. crime stuff into mm. one place and again that had a pretty mixed um, you know, a mixed result. So we'll see. Um, I think more broadly, the the international stuff and the analysis that the FCA and the Bank of England, PRA, are doing together should be quite successful and, um, and influential. Obviously, things can go wrong, but they definitely have the capacity and the track record to do that. I'm a bit more dubious about the fund management stuff, partly because I think it will take a lot of work. To uh, create a level playing field, that you're then raising the standard on things like disclosure yeah. across yeah. the board, and, per- and persuading the industry that actually the whole thing is coming up in a fair, um, you know, in a fair and equitable way. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, fund management traditionally hasn't been a well-resourced part of supervision. Um, so, so that will mm. that would need to change, mm. I think. And I'm not sure where the resource comes from, which takes me back to that earlier question.
1: No, it's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a constrained, resource-constrained regulator, where, you know, for instance, you know, taking enforcement action against uh, a, a, an organisation that's caused real customer detriment is, a, is hit and miss in terms of having the bandwidth to be able to pursue that kind of thing. Does some of that resource get diverted to going after a fund manager because they then their ESG disclosures are a bit iffy? Uh, that's uh, that's an interesting prioritization call isn't it
0: yes mm. no i you know we know we're still really in some ways waiting for our first big SMCR case <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, yeah yes. what is it six years later yes uh, so five years later so yeah we'll see okay
1: interesting times uh, well interesting times the ESG um, featured the Regulatory Initiatives Grid. So that was another publication, a bit later than uh, we expected it. So running a bit behind schedule. So for those that don't know, I think we're on our fourth iteration now. It's meant to be six monthly, isn't it? A, 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 a consolidation of all of the regulatory initiatives that all of the UK's FS regulatory bodies, Bank of England, FCA, Pensions Regulator, are um are pursuing. Um, it's a very uh, useful read because it is essentially sets out, priori- sets, 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 sets out the, the complete universe of regulatory change and the timescales, also sets the prioritisation, states the prioritisation. Um, what could we say about this one? Well, there's uh, there's now 11 ESG initiatives on there, three of them are new. I mean, actually to that point, there are, um, the number of initiatives just doing a straight count is up to 134. From 128 to 128, the, 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 there's 24 new initiatives. This time around. This is my very quick card. No, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone, 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 anyone listening to the podcast is more than welcome to uh, to check uh, Gavin's maths and uh, and send us uh, an email so we can make fun of him next time. Um, uh, so twenty four new, uh, and actually thirty three of the existing ones have been delayed or something. Officially,
0: They're they've there. been up. Their timing has been updated. <laughs> sorry, uh, but, but yes, updated a-
1: in the same direction. So
0: Indeed. Fun. Um, uh, I didn't think any. I don't think any of them have been brought forward. but no. I, might be wrong.
1: I mean, so, so yeah. So, so, some of the absolutely biggest things, you know, LIBOR, transition, the, the new investment for potential, thing, they're, they're, they're still happening on schedule. But um, uh, it's quite a lot that's been delayed somewhat. So so so, anyone expecting a quieter or lower regulatory change burden based on those numbers, at least, is, going to be disappointed.
0: <laughs> I think so. I mean, and we've. You know so, so I think if you if you think about the FRF we've just been talking about and you fast forward three or four years, I think it would be it would be interesting to see what that number looks like then. Mm. Uh, mm. We've talked since the start of COVID and since the the grid first came in about the um, the likelihood of dates moving to the right. Uh, and I think that's still you know 33 being you know being updated. I think tells that story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I think the other big thing for me was the the, the impact assessments look to be honest a bit haphazard. Are uh, these are sort of high. Yeah. There's medium, high, yeah. medium, low, and there's unknown, unknown un- yeah. uncertain, or whatever. Unknown. unknown. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think it would be good to know how they come to those judgments.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's two of the new ones this time around are just the sustainability disclosures requirements, um, and the second is, is the net zero transition plans. Just picking up the headline names there, but uh, you know, both of which are things that will happen in 2022. Both of which are high impact, into high impact, um, um, and under other ESG ones as it's saying there. So, yeah, you, you, yeah, I mean, a case could be made that actually. The most impactful developments in the reg environment over the next year are going to be ESG related. If that, if that sort of plays out as it looks, it's going yeah. To play there's out. a lot
0: of milestones in there. Uh, oh, yeah. That'd be really interesting to see. You know, challenge for the new division.
1: <clears throat> yes, I'm we've got a new ESG division. We're going to get an energy security division at some point if uh, if
0: the lights start going out. So um, that's, <laughs> That's probably more interesting. (laughs) That I hadn't thought of that, but I think there's. I think there is something about the extent to which. Talk about this another time, maybe the extent to which some of those types of developments in the real economy flip across into financial services. Yes. Uh, And you know the financialization of the of, of. the way our, of the way the economy works generally. Yes, I mean it's it's,
1: it's, it's an extreme case of what in, in 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 my in my case. But uh, yeah, we obviously saw the the extent to which uh, you know regulatory decisions were made in the light of the COVID pandemic, and the lockdowns. Um, you know, I, I wonder if there is a if there is some uh, if there are energy security issues in the short term, whether that somehow manifests itself in in in, 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 uh, in direct regulatory action. Um, uh, we can encourage the investment managers to invest in uh, in, in energy <laughs> generation capability uh, as as much as uh, as much as ESG, ESG disclosures. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, suffice it to say, is a you know, if you if you if you compare the, the regulatory initiatives grid of today with the one that was only two years ago, then there's a substantial amount of new material in there, a lot of ESG, not all, um, that uh, that shows how the regulatory agenda is changing. Um, let's uh, let's 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 park that for now. Um, one thing I wanted to raise on this podcast was um, the Treasury Select Committee is written asking some fairly probing questions of the yeah. FSA in relation to its well now, now cause of the conviction of NatWest um, relating to some money laundering um, charges going back quite some time. And, and, and those who don't know Nat, Nat West, were pleaded guilty, so it was. You know, slam dunk in terms of the court case. Um, but the TSC is, is asking the FCA some rather pointed questions about, you was know, it taking so long? Why have they just prosecuted the bank and not individuals? Um, how do they work with uh, some of the other, other agencies that would have had an interest in a case like this, like the National Crime Agency? Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. What was your, your your view of that? Do you think there's anything...
0: Well, I, I suppose I saw it mainly in the context of the uh, future framework and the TSC trying to expand its role so I, I think writing at this sort of timing and with such specific questions, I don't remember happening very often, mm. um, but I'm assuming now it will happen more often in the future uh, and it might you know it, it's potentially quite interesting in terms of Getting a much more real-time understanding of how the regulator operates and what it takes into consideration in high-profile situations. Um, see, wait and see. The FCA has kind of pushed it back until the um, the courts sort of um, decided on the fine and so on, which yeah, I think we get yeah. next month. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what sort of detail it comes back with and whether this becomes um, a bit of a precedent.
1: Yes uh okay yes i can see that it, it, it might be although we go back to our earlier reference about the you know the extent to which the t s e've got' bandwidth to do to do this very often um uh which might be uh, um problematic if they do want to make this a regular occurrence we uh are probably looking at some interest rate rises in the very near future um all of the uh, lead indicators, not to mention the the kind of speeches that central bankers are making, kind of point 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 to that. Um, do you think the regulatory? I mean, the, the regulators are, are well positioned to understand the impact of rising interest rates. And uh, we can have. I'm not. I'm not a prognosticator on economics, so, you Saying know, how long this period might last, how high they might
0: go, etc. I don't know. Although certainly some scenarios, which it could be quite painful. Uh, um, so, so yes, in some respects, no in others. Um, I mean it's interesting that a year ago they were consulting on the possibility of negative Negative. interest rates so the world does change Um, and I think they'll have quite a lot of insight from that on the uh, operational ability of the industry to make the changes and the likely impact they would have so that's, that's all great it's an awful long time though since we've had any meaningful Inflation. I mean, you're probably going back to the mid, early mid '90s, Uh, so so there's no no experience to think of to speak of in the PRA or the FCA. There'll be a few people, but not um, Andrew Bailey was around. (laughs) Uh, But 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 you're sort of talking. You know, it's that sort of it's that sort of thing. So I, I think there'll be a lot of steep learning curves if we do get proper and sustained inflation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you that has implications for something we've talked about um, in the past around banking competition and the kind of the ongoing almost rhetoric sometimes about, about you know, we need more competition in banking, but the actual <laughs> realities of making it happen seem to be challenging. Um, you know, when, when, when push comes to shove, it's difficult to break up the big banks, it's difficult to you know, get, get consolidation going even within the smaller players scale, etc. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether the interest rate environment in theory might make that easier to achieve if if banks are making more money. Uh, Is they allowed, are they still allowed to make money? I'm not sure.
0: I think I think they they are. Um, I, I I I don't think it will make much difference to that. I mean, that's a that's a long story. Mm. I, I was just struck by a couple of articles about starting with um, I think Carlyle pulling out of a potential investment in Metro Metro, Bank. yes, um, and, and just. I suppose the gap between rhetoric and reality in terms of competition in the banking market in particular. And yeah, well, probably that's been the case for over 20 years. Yeah.
1: When, when was the Cruikshank report? Uh, the, 2000, the, I think okay, 20, twenty odd year. Yeah, so there's been you know, a bit of blue ribbon kind of uh, um, focus on this. But yeah, it just seems that the actual you know, meaningful deals, transactions or, or launches is, is, is hard to achieve. I mean, in all likelihood it looks like JP Morgan, who are not exactly yeah. a challenger bank, are gonna make the biggest impact on the banking retail banking sector in the UK
0: over the next few years. I mean post COVID you know, the 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 large incumbents seem even more kind of cemented in their position and also actually they've adapted very successfully to digitisation and mm. you know the, the supposed threat of fintech and so on over the last ten years. Yeah. Uh so you know, it, it it still feels like consolidation to me, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I I'd, I'd echo that. Maybe I think we, maybe we stop talking
1: about banking competition uh, for for a while until uh, until evidence suggests it's actually going to be a you know a, a thing. Certainly in terms of uh, in terms of, sort of the challenger space. Um, the last uh, sort of item I was going to uh, end on today in terms of sort of news roundup would be um, this is the this is the FCA's new uh, head of data um, gave a speech. Some fairly uh, uh, optimistic sounding um, statements about what, what data is going going to be done. I know you you did a bit of a, a retrospective blog on <laughs> on what was being said and the kind of the some of the history there. Uh, yeah, are you were uh, you optimistic that uh, that this trans and it is a it is you know it's, it's a key part the transformation program that the FCA are are, are hanging their hat on is to, to move to a data data led regulation
0: so a basis. I think long-term I am optimistic about data-led regulation. I, I, I'm a bit worried that we talk about it as though you just flick a switch and it happens. Um, the, the problems mm. that have been in the past without going into the details are, are around things like how do you calibrate um, your systems to um, pick up the right things, you know, the important ones, but not overwhelm it with being too sensitive and so on. Then what you do, how do you triage? Uh, Likewise, who really leads the analysis? Is it led by data scientists or is it led by the supervisors with some help? Um, And that has always been a a struggle. And I think it also uh, potentially raises some questions about judgment-based regulation, which we talked about a lot for the last 10 years or so. Yes. Uh, But actually, if you start using data properly, you will, I think, inevitably narrow down the space where you are taking those judgments, and I think that's quite a challenge to how we perceive good regulation, or we seem to perceive good regulation at the moment, where there's a real human element to yeah. deciding what's important and how you approach it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you know, the, um, you know the, the, the firms we work with, you know, our, our clients, um, uh, more often than not, you know, are thrilled to be able to actually talk to the regulators and, and have some human interaction and. And be able to, frankly, uh, talk to a human being that's got a chance to understand their their business model. Um, So, uh, you know, if if the role of data scientists is going to going to be a significant one, maybe that some of those personal interactions already relatively limited um, become even more so. Only time will tell. Um, So. Uh, I'm going to wrap our podcast there. I will say to everyone uh, listening, thank you for joining us. We I uh, will uh, direct you to Grant Thornton's financial services uh, web pages, where there's a lot of information around uh, regulatory change and, 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 and focus areas, and our regulatory handbook. I think does a great job of summarising, um, you know, most of the major impacts uh, on, on our industry um, in the forthcoming year. Um, We will be back in December, uh, where we will be doing a Review of the Year podcast, Uh, things like, you know, Why Do My Suits No Longer Fit Me, Um, and other essential essential matters uh, that have uh, uh, played out during 2021. I hope you'll be able to join us then. This podcast will be available as well that one on uh, all of the major podcasting platforms. And Gavin, I'll say thank you very much, and I'll see you next month. See you next month.